Welcome to Three Gens Theology. We think it is a high priority to have every believer growing in their walk of faith and their knowledge of who God is. Uh, we want to come alongside as a help in that. And uh, each each time as we get together here, we want to bring out a different portion of uh, truths about uh, what we believe. And so it comes out as, as uh, formally as doctrine and in our time now theology proper um, but uh, overall we want we want to help folks grow in their understanding of what the scriptures say uh, about the truth that we live by so we're glad to have you today let's pray father thank you for uh, this time together as we discuss your nature uh, our words fall short for sure uh, help us to be able to communicate in a way that uh, helps to grow our um, our glory of you, our praise of you. Thank you for this time. May you be lifted high in it. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Guys, if you don't mind, I'd like to address our, our listeners and maybe give them an encouragement that relates to the subject that we're going into now. Jesus said probably many times, uh, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He also said, having eyes, do you see? Or do you not see and having ears, do you not hear and do you not remember? As it was with Nicodemus, the matter of being born again, Jesus was not referring to the physical. Uh, he was not referring to the eyes and ears of the listeners alone. He was referring to their spiritual ability to see and to hear. Yep. And to grow by what they had seen and heard. To, to have a new understanding. We realize the fact that those who were Jesus's listeners had a vast understanding based upon their own experience within Judaism of the law and various other subjects. But what Jesus wanted them to do was to exceed what they already knew, to move into truth territory where they had not been. He was referring to the possession of the ability to receive truth, understand it, remember it, and grow by it, to use it in their, in their lives. From the days of uh, Isaiah, God's people had been described by the Lord as those who were stiff-necked. They did not hear. They had eyes, but they were not using them. They had ears, but they could not hear. It's a kind of spiritual deafness and blindness that Jesus is referring to. As we enter into an area of study that God, of God that will seem a little bit more difficult, I would ask that you work hard to understand. If you know Jesus the Christ as your Savior, you have the ability to understand spiritual things that people who are not children of God do not have. They simply can't understand those spiritual truths. I would encourage you to be more than listeners. Be zealous about learning new truth. Don't close your mind by saying, I think I already know. But open it with the question, what can I learn about God that I need to know to love, obey, and worship him better than I have before? I think that continues to be the truth. Um, that's zealous for learning. Uh, I've been a uh, pastor now um, 20 plus years 
And there's times where people are saying something, and I'll think I've heard that. <laughs> right. But then I'm around people like you and, and uh, Pastor Willis and others that have been around around ministry longer than I have. I'm not saying you're nice. old. Well said. I'm not, I'm yeah, not, well saying, said. I'm not saying you're old. Why don't you say what you're really saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, since the Civil War. And, uh, but, but seriously, it's, it's evident in, in uh, your mindsets uh, that there is a, a shortfall of understanding of who God is and, and, and what he teaches in the scriptures. So that continues to be um, an example in front of me. Um, and then I hope to be that example uh, to others as well because mm-hmm. I'm getting uh, longer in ministry as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that, that, that zeal for, for growing in our understanding of who God is and then, as we've been saying the last few times, keeping that relational, yes, you know, uh, is is uh, both uh, really important uh, encouragements. Yes, it uh, is. and it's evident in in your life and in others' uh, lives that that even though there's a lot of knowledge in that noggin of yours, uh, it's incomplete when you compare it to uh, what there is to know. Uh, and especially as it comes to who God is, and we're always eager to learn more, right. which is which is the way I think it should be. Yep. I think we're going to go on learning throughout eternity. So, <laughs> Grandpa hopes we go on learning throughout eternity. That's right. He, he wouldn't know what to do with himself. That's right. I guess you, I guess you just worship God, but you know, I'll just the, worship that's God. That's kind of the idea. Yeah, yeah. That, that is a, like another thing. Kind of the flip side of that. It's easy to, I I definitely have had that where I'm like, oh, you know you know, uh, first year college students like, Oh, there's this cool thing. And it's like, all right, well, that's not that cool. You're you, w- welcome to ministry, buddy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like, so it's easy to have that, you know, that feeling about life. Um, but also from the other side is as we go through things, it, it can, as I hear grandpa talk about, it, I can feel like oh, I'm never going to get there. I, I'm, I'm never going to be as smart as, as him. I'm not, ne- you know, and it's not a, 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 that's the part of the hard thing is it, you know, this isn't, this is by no means a sprint, right? It's a it's a marathon, mm-hmm. uh, and so at each day, as you pick away a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, you you grow, and you probably won't be as smart as Grandpa, but you know you'll uh, as you as you slowly you know make your way towards towards that, you'll grow in your understanding of who God is and, and all that. So, but from both sides, there's encouragement to keep keep grinding, keep keep loving who God is, keep reading Scripture, keep praying. Yeah, you know. yeah. that's good. Well said. That's right. And I think that 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 whole issue is one that uh, if we can put it into our hearts that we've learned a lot, but there is a whole universe full of things that we still have to learn. It doesn't mean that we don't have an adequate foundation. It simply means that there's an awful lot of building that can go on on top of that adi- that foundation. Right. So. Yep. Speaking of relationship, um, we're going to begin by talking about the transcendence of God. And normally when we think of the transcendence of God, the first thing that we think of is God is very high and very far away from us, which is definitely true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and, And God is, from that perspective, incomprehensible. It's difficult for us to know much about him. But he has revealed himself to us in so many ways that we might learn. So when we speak of the transcendence of God, we are speaking more of relationship 
then we are speaking about distance or proximity or space. God is in relationship with the universe that we are in. He created it. We'll talk more about his relationship to the things that are in the universe soon, but he's also beyond the universe. It's, it's hard to conceive when we begin to get a picture of how great the universe is, of the fact that God is greater than the universe. Right. That immediately blows our minds because we begin to think, well, if the universe is this big and God is bigger than this, how great is God really? Uh, it does not contain him. It's not an extension of God in any way. God is outside of his creation. And he is self-sufficient, which is really cool for us to understand. Because our tendency is to think, well, somehow God needs us. You know, if, if we weren't here, just think how lonely it would be for God. We forget about the fact that God existed in eternity past in a wonderful relationship. <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in beautiful fellowship with each other in absolute no need of having anything else. And yet, God created, according to his plan, a universe that is not him. It is apart from him, and yet he relates to it. God is high and lifted up. He looks down upon us. How, how many times in Scripture do we see illustrations of that? What's your favorite illustration of God's being uh, elevated or higher or uh, having to deal with us in that way? I, I like the, uh, like in Isaiah 66, he says, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. That, uh, that simplicity of, the, of the, uh, the, the earth being something, something he can use. Place where he can put his there. feet. Yeah. <laughs> so it just shows that, that distance that's, that's there. The end of the end of Job, uh, you know, Job kind of throws a little bit of a pity party, and then God just <laughs> comes back with, "Who in the world do you think you are? Yeah. Like, uh, who who created the rain? Who created the lightning? Who who created animals? Who created? I mean, and it, like, it's a chapter and a half of God just like going through the entirety of creation, saying, "Who, who do you think made that? Oh, that was me. Oh, wait, who who made this? Oh, that, that was me again. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, that's always a that's always a fun one. That's one that I go back to frequently. That's just like I do too. Yeah. As, as I recognize that I have a improper view of who God is, yeah. I go back there and think, "Wow, I'm I am very small." I, I like that, that he emphasizes that even by by basically being rhetorical questions yeah. in, in that 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 it's so evident. Did you did you make the rain? You know, yeah, right. it's it's, uh, it's so evident what the answer is too. Come on down that, with me to the source of yeah. where I get all of this yeah. to do this, and yeah. take a look around and think about the, who did this. Yeah, the answer to the question is so <laughs> is so evident that he doesn't even need to clarify. Um, excuse me, that was me. Right. <laughs> Another good illustration yeah. is uh, in the book of Genesis where we find the uh, Tower of Babel being built, and at that point it says that the Lord. Uh, looked down, he came down to see the city and the tower. You know, they're building this enormous tower that's going up toward heaven, and God has to come way down and look at it because he is so much higher yeah. than the tower. Well, even the, um, as you, you mentioned, the the universe, I, I think it's funny in my in my mind as I, like the universe is almost like the Trinity, which is 
which are very much not the same, but I'll get there. The I I understand the Trinity, you know, and and but the more you think about it, you're like, wait, that doesn't make that that mm-hmm. doesn't make sense, right? So the 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 easy side of it's like, well, yeah, I, that that exists. I know that to be true. And the further you get into it, you're like, I don't, this is kind of confusing. The universe is almost that way where it's like, I understand that there's space and there's lots of stuff, but the, the further out you get, the more you're like, wow, we're really, we're really far away. This is, this is really, you know, this is a, this is a big thing that we're dealing with. Uh, and so then even the, the correct attitude there of recognizing my feeble brain sees those on the same level and they're not even close to the same level, yes. right? Uh, the the universe is understandable to to some, but God isn't, right? He's right. he's understandable on some level, but we we won't understand all of him, you know. So it's even it's even funny that that recognition of like in my mind, I'm so far beneath them that I almost see them the same, but realizing they're not anywhere close. They're not anywhere close. That's good. Yeah, that's yeah. true. The, that, that's uh, actually a helpful thing about the idea of transcendence that he is. That he is beyond us. Yes. That he is uh, something different, something other, and uh, that that thought is it kind of fits with that. That even things that we can't quite gather in creation, either intricacies or massiveness, God is still um, bigger, larger, whatever word you want to use, than, than any of those things. Yes, you know, what I like to think about, that. Dan, is, uh, is a galaxy that exists uh, thousands of light years from us. Thousands, that's the thousands of times the light, it, time it takes for light to travel in a year. Thousands of times that, and they're filled with millions of stars. And God knows the name of each one. That blows your mind. (laughs) And that's one galaxy out of tens of thousands of galaxies that we're aware of, let alone the ones that we don't know. Right. Yeah. When when the theologian speaks of the indescribability of God, uh, he uses a term that is uh, ineffable. Ineffable. Which is Here's not your challenge a, for the week: put ineffable into a sentence yeah. that makes the that makes it less less ineffable. There you go. Yes, if it's an ineffable sentence in which you put the word ineffable, that's going to be something that nobody's going to be able to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> it means literally indescribable. indescribable it's right. it's something that is beyond our ability to describe. Um, Jehovah Himself. Our Lord himself gives us an example of that in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, when he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It's good for us to remember the fact that God is, in fact, so incredibly beyond us that we have a tendency in trying to bring the Lord into a box, into bringing something that we can easily deal with, that we don't recognize that he knows what we're going to pray before we speak. He is aware of what our needs are before we know them. 
He is aware of the means by which, as you spoke last last time, Sai, as as the plan of God unfolds, it's a plan that he already knew before the foundation of the world, and he makes it come to pass. And he knows what's going to happen before it happens. All of these things we're going to be seeing as we under, try to understand this indescribable God. So the... The indescribability of God it turns into basically my favorite passage in Scripture uh, in Isaiah 6. So I probably have talked about it on the podcast already because I love the passage so much. But you see the Isaiah goes to heaven and you see the angels sing holy, holy, holy as they go around. And mm-hmm. what we know, what we see in uh, of the Hebrew language is that to say something once is to say that it is that. To say it twice is to say that it's the most of that. So you see like, uh, now I'm forgetting it, but there's a, a town that was basically called Pitts Pitts because it was the most <laughs> pits. It was like the most, the, the, the terrain was the, the pittiest of all terrain. And so that was the name. So as we see these angels, they're saying, holy, holy, holy. So they're saying you're the most, most, most. But then the irony of that is they're saying holy, which is already about God's transcendence. So to say he's holy is to already say that he's above everything, and they're saying he's the most above everything, but he's the most most above everything. Right. And these are the angels that are around him 24-7. Yes. That, yeah. that they can't even come up with, with language that would explain who he is other than just saying, you're the most, most, most best, highest <laughs> of all of us. Right. And so I love that. I love that image of I, I find myself there in the, I don't know how to describe you, God, but I know you're amazing. And so yes. here's... Here's adjectives. Here's things that about you that I understand, and I'm just going to say them over and over again because I know they're true of you. Uh, so that Absolutely. goes with the transcendence yeah. and the ineffability. The F- NF- I can't even use the word, let alone use it in a <laughs> sentence, uh, of who God is. Yeah. And then we find ourselves in the place of Isaiah, who having seen the Lord, now bows down to the ground and says that I am a man of unclean lips yeah. among a people of unclean lips. I can't even speak of you. Yeah, yeah that, that word holy, I, I use that. Uh, I, I've, I end up talking about that a good bit. Uh, but that word holy, we, we bring it to mean righteous because that's typically how it's, what it's referring to is righteous, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really mean righteous. It's no. this idea of transcendence. I mean, it really is. It's that, that separateness of God, that God is just above us. And even as you were reading um, uh, Isaiah 55, the idea of high is not right, mm-hmm. but it's our best way to describe that. <laughs> right. He's, he's not actually higher than us, but for us to understand the truth in some kind of spatial framework, yes, higher makes sense. It does. If you think of uh, of size example, you look at uh, Isaiah six. He says he saw a throne high, high and thing. lifted up. Yep. If you go to any country that has a monarch, and you walk into the presence of the monarch, in fact, you might in some countries in the past have had to crawl into the presence of the monarch. The monarch always sits on a throne that's on a die that is way up there yeah. because it reflects the elevation. The, right, the majesty. So that word holy, even in itself, um, it, it typically does come out to mean righteous in the use of it, um, but that really isn't the word. It's this idea of him being 
separate from us. Right. You know, um, right. separate in his character from us. Okay, just some some other uh, verses that I wanted to share along this. I also like 1 Kings 8, 27. It says, But w- uh, will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. Mm. How much less this house, meaning the temple right. that they built. So his presence in the in the temple wasn't the temple wasn't the great thing that honored him. That was just what he what he uh, right. commanded them to make for that, so they would have a spot where they knew he was there with them. But that temple, as ornate as they could make it, was pathetic. Yes, you know, pathetic. And so that idea in First Kings is that uh, the highest heaven can't contain him. So that. That whole universe idea that it's just not even enough to contain uh, who God is. If you you think about that too, Dan, it it really helps us to put our minds in the right frame for moving forward into some of the other doctrines we're going to face. For example, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. How is it that the Holy Spirit can indwell us? Well, when we think about the fact that God identified himself with Israel by dwelling in the temple and yet there was one flash of his glory that was there within within that temple it certainly was not a complete dwelling place for him that's exactly what he's saying how can you build a house that I can be in and so God had to give just a little inkling of himself Mm -hmm. in that one place and in that place alone because there was no other place where God could be worshipped in the presence of his glory. And the high priest would go in once a year to that holy place where they, he might be able, with the, the aid of knowing where he was supposed to throw the blood, since the brightness was too great for his eyes, he could throw the blood on the mercy seat. Yeah. So then, then that brings us to the other side of that, the idea in Hebrews of that we come boldly to his throne of grace. There's a throne idea there. And we think about Isaiah's high and lifted up uh, throne. But we in Christ can can run to that throne. We don't That's have to right. crawl in. We, we can run to that throne. So there is this separation idea in his character. Um, but by his design, there's not um, between us and him um, that wonderful? when we come to him in Christ. So, Amen. so yeah. You know, as you think, start to think about trying to talk about God's nature, um, it, it's overwhelming to, to, well, what about this and what about that and what about that? So this transcendence is, is kind of where to start on that yeah. because it lays the foundation that he is beyond, he's, he's not us. He's right. not, you know, he's, he's beyond us. And so then as we talk about characteristics, they all fall into that basic groundwork of him being transcendent Very good. or beyond. Right? Yes, that's true. So I mentioned at the beginning of talking about transcendence that there is a relationship idea involved. Mm-hmm. And for us to be able to picture that relationship, we have to use terminology that the Lord himself has used but that theologians have used for a long time as a means of just giving us a a picture, an image of how God can be near things and yet not be those things. Um, While God is above his creation, his creation is dependent 
upon him. And so that brings us to the imminence of God. What does it mean that God is imminent? That means that God is near. He is near us. He is imminent to the things that he has made. Um, and this is based upon his omnipresence. So we're really starting to get into it now. What, what does omnipresence mean? Well, whenever we have omni before a word, what are we referring to? Oh, everywhere. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everywhere. So that fits in with the concept of immensity because if God is everywhere, he is also close to everything. Um, it has to do with relationship, God's relationship to his creation. He's present to all things in the created universe, uh, but he's not any of the things that are in the created universe. Uh, Acts 17, 27 and 28, uh, Paul reminded his listeners that that was true. In this, we emphasize the difference between theism, pantheism, and panentheism. All right, there's three good terms for you. Theism, pantheism, and panentheism. So how would we distinguish those? Well, the pantheist believes that all things are divine. So it's a person who basically worships everything. Uh, there are many religions that would fall into the pantheist idea in which basically I, I worship the, the trees, the rocks, the mountains, the sky, the planets, everything uh, are worthy of, of my worship. What would be, what's an example of modern day pantheist uh, religion? A pantheist today a spirit a, be, often a, yeah. like a spiritualist that would spiritualist. think god is, god is in all these things uh, uh some of the uh the native american mm -hmm. religions are pantheistic right. in that they worship all of the things that are in creation the panentheist believes that god can be found in all things in all things and so a person who believes this is going to be a person who believes, for example, that there's a, a special spark or a spirit within everyone that is God. Mm. And so there's no need for you to have a spiritual relationship with God. It's already established. The third category then, which is what we're all involved in, is theism. And the theist, based upon biblical teachings, insists that God and his creation must not be confused. We must separate those two. God is not the things that he made. He is not in the things that he made. He is present to them, but none of those things are God. So even your Acts 17 passage there on Mars Hill would, would show that, that he, he's talking about the gods they have there, uh -huh. and they're not gods. It, but God, in whom we live and move right. and have our being. Right. And then he's not far from you. It, he's right. not far from right. you. Right. So it, it kind of takes care of both of those, mm -hmm. both of those thoughts that um, the stuff of earth is not God. Right. It's not. <laughs> and, and then also the idea of his nearness. He, he is near to us. Absolutely, um, but but uh, he's not. And then that special spark thought, man, that, that is, 
I think that has become uh, pre- prevalent culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, that everyone has a, has a bit of, of godness in them. Yeah. Um, that you're special because you're you're a part of God, and um, and so that's that's really dangerous teaching. It really is. It really is. Um, uh, it, it elevates man. <laughs> it elevates man like Satan elevated himself. God did not respond very well to Satan no. elevating himself, and uh, so this is something that is certainly not the teaching of the Scripture that that we as we are have a spark of god in us mm-hmm. or that uh, we are little gods I, I heard one guy talk about how that that saint paul taught this that because there were i assume it's because there were christians called christians there their little christ that that he comes from that idea that uh, all of us are are like Christ, we're all children of God, and we all we are all yeah. actually deity in us, and that is uh, that is not um, not biblical teaching uh, at all. Right, that is it is not, and we must be careful of that. Uh, it is even suggested by some that uh, because we talk about having the Holy Spirit indwelling us, that right. we're talking about a kind of panentheism. But in reality, the concept of panentheism really is very broad. It's, it spreads across all humans, all religions, all uh, human existence uh, as a, a way in which we can somehow elevate humanity to deity. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously we cannot do that. And even to, have the Holy, become God. Right. even to have the Holy Spirit in us, we, we still wouldn't believe that we are God. No. I mean, there's still an obvious separation there. Right. Um, that while we have the Holy Spirit in us at salvation, it's it's not that we then become morph into a God. Mm-hmm. That's not the idea, or that it completes us as a God or anything anything like that. It's definitely still a separate um, a separate uh, entity. Right. Um, but He indwells us, which is a great privilege of the believer, of the believer. For our pop culture references, that'd be I, I love me some Star Wars, but that's the Force. Is that the mm-hmm. you know the Force is in is in you and you, your connection to the world, your connection to something bigger. That's right. that exactly. Been, that's right. that same idea. Right. Yeah, yep. That's the idea. Now, as believers, we know that uh, that God is not only near us, but He is in us, and that gives us a, a wonderful blessing. Realizing that. Um. Ephesians 4, 6, for example, uh, it mentions that God is above all. So that would be God's transcendence, but he is in you all, referring to the believers that Paul is writing to. It must not be thought that there's some kind of conflict between God's imminence and transcendence. I hope we've been able to communicate the idea that they're two separate things that God is above all things that he has made. He is not anything that he has made. And yet, his imminence is based upon the fact that everything is in him. That he is not in everything. Everything is in him, if you will, because he is God. So, transcendent would be that he is outside of, outside of our universe restrictions. 
right, outside right. of that. And eminence would be that he is within, right, that he is within. He is in relationship to, yes. So where people have gone astray is that they have made that he is within us. Like, mm-hmm. like he is, um, as we're born, he's, he's, a, he's in us. So much like the person that thinks that the tree is special or the cow is special yeah. because they're God, the, the, there are those who d- wouldn't believe those things, but they would believe that, that we are special because we are, uh, he is within us. And so um, that within, the, the idea of transcendent being without and the in, immanence being within, it's that he's within his creation Yes. So he's involved in the universe. It's not that he is the creation or he is the universe. Right. He is, but he is active in within it. Within it. Within it. Yes, right? absolutely. It. So don't let people uh, confuse you um, with that definition of being imminence being within uh, because it's it's a really dangerous teaching for them to for you, them to teach that we have a godness in us mm-hmm. on our own. That is a really dangerous, that's, that's uh, the, the first major sin is Satan elevating himself to a, to a god status. And it's, uh, it's desperately awful. It is. Uh, uh, the deists, whom many of you will have heard of, uh, believed, and, and this was a very, very popular uh, form of Christianity in England and in the early United States. He gave uh, he gave finger quotation marks around Christianity there for those of you listening. <laughs> Air quotes. Yeah. Air not, quotes. Not real Christianity is what he's saying. Uh, and the um, deists they could be actually, Christ, they could be Christians, but it's not a biblical view. Yeah. Right. yeah. The, the deists believed that God basically wound up the universe and then walked away and let it go on on its own. Yeah. So what they did is they believed in the transcendence of God, but they threw away the immanence of God because right. God would not be present to the universe if he had simply created it and then walked away from it. Right. So we, we can see from that an example of how you can confuse these issues. You know, people always use like a, a watch that he made a watch and then he started it and let it go. I'm always much less, uh, even much less elevated than that. I think about the kids, the kids wind up uh, car where mm-hmm. you rev it, rev it, rev it, rev mm-hmm. it, and then and then uh, let it go and it goes off. That's that's always my view of the deist. Uh, it's a pretty childish view, but it, It'll work. it still works. It'll work. It still works as yeah. an analogy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a good quotation uh, from Stanley Grintz will help here. He said, "In short, the God we know is imminent and transcendent." He is that reality who is present and active within the world process. Yet he is not simply to be equated with it, for he is at the same time self-sufficient and beyond the universe. In conceiving of God, therefore, we dare not place him so far beyond the world that he cannot enter into relationship with his creatures, nor collapse him so thoroughly into the world process that he cannot stand over the creation which he made. Right. So I, I, I think I have a illustration for this that the the idea it's not a new illustration, but the idea of a of an artist painting. The mm-hmm. the imminence is that the artist can choose to go into that painting and to paint what they want. The transcendence is that 
that painting doesn't become human because a human did something to it. They still are above it and that they can choose how they want to interact with that canvas. Yes. Uh, so obviously we're, it falls apart in some areas, but that idea of we we can create – there was creation, but that creation doesn't mean that we're the same thing, but then there's transcendence and that they can choose – God can God interacts outside of the world. He, yes. he is above it. And, and I think your illustration is apt in another way in that every painting has a border. The artist has the ability to conceive of what would be outside of the border. And everyone who looks at the painting has to imagine what's outside of the border because it's not there. It's not in the painting. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, the transcendence and imminence of God is illustrated as well by the way in which the painting is produced with the border that collapses all of that other thing that might be around it, is around it, uh, and puts into that picture just what the artist wants. Good. Yep. Good. Well, great. We are at 37. Yep. So let me, let me close with this. I've, I've been teaching through um, the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. and I, the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, I think, has this connection um, well exampled for us. So when Jesus was asked to teach the disciples to pray, he said in Matthew 6, 9, pray then this way, Our Father who is in heaven. And that simple phrase captures both of these truths, that uh, the Lord is transcendent. He is in heaven. He's, he's above us. Whatever the, higher, whatever the higher connotation is, he's higher than us. He is beyond us. Yes. Um, and at the same time, for anyone who has a relationship with him, he is our, our Father. Father. Yes. So there is this nearness and care and love and thoughtfulness that's connected to the word Father. And at the same time, uh, he's not just um, a father. Yes. Right? Yes. He, he is one that is in heaven, that is uh, high and lofty, as I, Isaiah uh, refers to it. So mm-hmm. I really like that Matthew, uh, Matthew 6 passage in the Lord's Prayer there, just the simple addressing of the Lord addressing of the Father from from Christ himself shows this combination of of immense greatness yes and dear closeness mm-hmm. that we see in the transcendence and imminence uh, right. of God That's so right. we have so the ability to that. we have the ability as a child run into the throne room but if we lose track of the fact that we're running into a throne room then we get messed up so right. having That's that true. that right. parallel of each other is right. is great That's true right and we do want to remember that the immensity of God has to do with his, red, his presence to everything in the universe. Right. Uh, but for us as Christians, for us as, as those who are God's children, that special relationship of imminence that you're describing right. is, is far greater. Right, right. He's active in our universe whether people know, them, know him or not, right? Right. Um, but it does show that nearness and f- and hugeness yes. in combination Absolutely. Uh, there in Matthew 6. I love that uh, that combination. We can have confidence he can do anything, and we can have confidence that he cares. Amen. You know, it's both. Yes. Well, great. Well, thanks for uh, joining us uh, today. We we fully covered the concept of transcendence and, Im- and imminence. <laughs> I think there's no questions now, no thoughts around it all. <laughs> but we're glad to have, to have brought this to you and uh, uh, consider these uh, these foundational characteristics. So then we can move on to particular characteristics of God. Um, but these foundational ones are necessary to start that um, that thought 
of uh, a theology proper of who of who God is. So thank you for joining us. It's good to uh, to have you again. Uh, connect with us uh, if you would like and review and comment. Those would all be helpful to us. And then of course we would like to hear from you um, how how we can help, how we have helped, uh, questions you might have. You can contact me. Uh, my name is Dan Hayden, and my email address is pd at crossbridgeindy.com. Thanks for joining us.